that moment where I found my purpose. I was working in live streaming. So I was in live streaming before, like it was like the thing people did, right? And I remember getting invited to put a VR headset on and I went into an experience called Confinement by The Guardian that puts you in a virtual solitary confinement cell. And within a couple of minutes, like at that moment in that experience, like I felt something, I cared about people in solitary confinement. This is not an experience I ever want to have. It was like really walking in someone else's shoes. So that was the moment I literally took the headset off and I said, this is the future of storytelling and this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. How am I going to do that? I don't know, but I'm going to do it. Welcome to the podcast where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and the brightest in the world of business, marketing, and technology to help you harness your own inner tenacity and drive your life and career forward. I am thrilled to welcome my guest today, Kathy Hackle. Kathy is a highly respected global business executive, tech, tech futurist, and media personality. She's a leading authority in emerging tech and leads Journey's virtual studio, helping companies, brands, cities, and governments with gaming, AR, AI, spatial computing, metaverse, and Web3, and so much more. There's so many buzzwords there. We're going to get to that in a little bit. And brands you may know, like Nike, Walmart, Louis Vuitton, Clinique, have trusted her to guide them into new virtual spaces on their emerging tech journeys. Properly known in tech circles as the godmother of the metaverse, and we're going to find out where that came from. <laughs> Kathy's been a fixture in the world of immersive tech for almost a decade, so let's get to it. The godmother of Metaverse herself, Kathy Hackle. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here. Kathy, first and foremost, again, thank you so much for joining me. You are all over the place all the time. So to have you finally grounded in one spot, and you literally said, hey, Uber's picking me up in a little bit, so let's get the show on the road here. Welcome. Well, I'm I'm thrilled to be here. I know I rescheduled with you a few times. This is my schedule, as you know, oh, is always in flux. I'm always somewhere. It's... um. I don't know. It's been a really exciting couple of weeks. So it has been, and we were just talking before about uh, you two at the Sphere in Vegas. So I'm going to go off script here, and I'm going to ask you what was the most impressive thing about the entire U2 experience in the Sphere in Las Vegas. I I don't think I can choose one thing to be honest. I mean, I was there for opening night, which was first of all amazing because everyone was there from like. Jeff Bezos to like Sir Paul McCartney to Snoop Dogg. Oh, like everyone was there. It was an amazing night to be there for opening night. Um, so I think part of it was being there for opening night, like something so new. First, right. you know, first view. A lot of people, first time they saw the inside was through some of my videos. Um, I think for me was the convergence of technology and music and art uh, that just, I mean, a leap forward. It was beautiful. Like, it was interesting because, I mean, I love you too. Like, I really mm. like them. Um, I'm a fan. I'm Iconic. not like a diehard fan, but, but I'm a fan. But you know all their songs. You know what they're yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah we it. know their songs and stuff. Um, but I always joke, and I joke to my, my my friend that I took with me, and I said, I'm here for the tech, right? I'm <laughs> here for the music too, but I'm here for the tech. That's why I wanted to be as close to the screen as possible. And um, and literally, there was a moment where they were using, you know, it's like it's a spherical venue that has this you're, you're, giant, you're in a planetarium almost right like yeah, a it's giant massive, on steroids super high resolution screen giant screen um and there was a point where they were singing and the like the the actual part of the sphere that you know gets um that has the screens actually started getting full with code and mm. images and all of a sudden it's like a square was coming down and i literally was almost crying like, I'm not impressed with tech very easily. This was amazing. I was literally almost crying. 
So what was the most amazing thing? The overall experience of merging technology, it. art, music in a completely new way. There's nowhere else you can experience this at this point. It's only in the sphere in Vegas. I knew, I know they're going to be doing a bunch of other things in other places and stuff, but it was amazing. And for me also, I'll have to say the other thing was seeing some of the work that um, I crave, which is a journey company. My company's journey and it has several companies. Um, seeing the work that our team had done with the interiors, not the sphere part, but the interiors with lighting and and things like that. So, so yeah, I was like, I would say it's like a double, a double thing here. But, like, uh, like proud to see my team's work and then just in awe of the experience. But how cool is this going to be? We talk about web three, we talk about NFTs and we talk about not the PFP side of NFTs, but yeah. the art, the generative art side of, and, and so much of the art for this performance and so many of the visual arts in the music world, this is on display. This is, yeah. this is, this is it. How much do you think this will help propel that back into the positive PR spotlight. But we'll have to see, right? I mean, Rafik Anadol has already had some of his art shown in the sphere. So mm -hmm. I think that's a good first step. Um, I think they're talking to a lot of generative AI creatives out there. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised seeing a Krista Kim uh, do something or a Beeple do something with the sphere. Oh, yeah. I think that those are, you know, Mad Dog Jones or like some of those potentially do something um, as, as, the, as, as things progress. Um, I think the focus in the conversation right now is around the entertainment side, right? So, uh, so I haven't really heard that much about the sphere and Web three, but I do think that there's some of these artists that could be definitely logical <clears throat> first steps, just like Rafik was. Which artist, dead or alive, would you love to see now in the in the sphere? Inside performing, yeah, uh, dead or Taylor alive, and Beyonce. <laughs> It's gonna, it's gonna happen. I heard a oh, rumor. Yeah. I'm gonna get back to script in a second, but I heard a rumor the Eagles were next, and I'm like, that's not great. I don't love that. Then they said Harry Styles. I'm like a million percent. That's a logical one. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the options are endless here, but I'm excited to see it. I'm gonna report back because this episode is gonna air after I go to the Sphere. Okay. So I will add my two cents on after. So let's get to it, Kathy. As I mentioned before, this show is about the the life journey told through the lens of the career, and I've watched a lot of your interviews, and I don't hear it talked about a lot, but I really want to talk about where it all started on the production and the reporting side of things. Did you always want to like be that as a kid? Where, where young Kathy growing up, did you have the little microphone in your hand interviewing folks, other kids? Young Kathy always wanted to be on TV. Like she wanted to be a reporter. She wanted to tell stories. Like when I found out that you could make money telling stories, I was like, okay, that's amazing. That's me. So I'm a, by nature, I'm a storyteller, right? Wherever it is that I work, I bring that with me. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I went to journalism school, University of Texas, got a bachelor's in broadcast. I thought I was going to work in broadcast journalism all my life. Um, that wasn't the case, but I learned a lot. I mean, I learned how to speak to audiences. I learned how to talk, you know, when I'm doing a video interview, right. how to do live TV, which is one of the scariest things <laughs> ever. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, and ultimately it was interesting because you know, you could choose print or you could choose radio or you could choose broadcast. I knew broadcast. I knew video was my medium in that sense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm always a storyteller at heart. So where, wherever I go, I bring that with me. Where did the confidence come from looking back on it now? My parents, I would say um, one of the reasons I feel like as a woman in tech now, I've been so, quote unquote, successful is because I was raised by two parents that never put any limits on me for being a girl. Right. I have a mom, I have a brother. It's my brother and myself. And they never said, oh, you can't do this because you're a girl. They literally would be like, go <laughs> try it. Whatever it was, some I would come to them with some of the craziest requests. And they're like, OK, go try as long as, long as it wasn't anything dangerous. Right. Right. And they're like, go do it. Why not? Go try. 
Um, and I'll give you an example. This is a silly, silly one. It's Bring it. a little fluffy, but but I think it's interesting. Like I am five feet tall and pretty curvy, but I came to them and I said, I want to go to modeling school. <laughs> and instead of laughing at me, they literally like, sure, go. So I, for a whole summer, I went to modeling academy. All the girls were obviously super tall, right. like, you know, thick, thin. But I learned so much for, about poise, about walking, about, you know, doing a lot of different things that like, I'm so glad that they never said, you're never going to be a supermodel. <laughs> they were like, go ahead, go. Right. So they never put any limits, anything I came up with. Oh, I want to study German. I want to do Portuguese. I want to learn this. Like I they love it. never put limits. So the, the confidence I think came from parents that raised me in a way where I felt truly myself or able to explore whatever was on my mind. I, I love that. And and how much of that are you instilling with your kids and, and bringing that to life? Everything. Like, whatever it is that they want to try, I'm all for it. Like, my kids are doing so many different sports and different Tell things across. Um, yeah, I mean, and my son, for example, he's a Roblox developer. So, like, oh, yeah, wow. sure. You want to explore how to build in Roblox? Let's go da- do that. Like, my little one is doing golf right now. That's what she's exploring. And she's really, really enjoying it. I mean, I don't come from a golfing family, so it's all new to us. Uh, my oldest one is a gymnast, like, like no, nothing of what I, I, I was a dancer growing up. Uh, so none of that, like, well, maybe the gymnastics one is a little bit closer, but it's been really interesting um, just to, to have them pursue their passions. And I like I always let them explore whatever it is that are they you, want to try. I'm open. Now, going back to your son who's a Roblox developer, like, are you the cool mom? Because you could actually talk shop with them and get him like the inside into like, oh, you want to speak to these people? I think I can make a call here and there. What's that like? Uh, I have been the cool mom for a few years, but now he's almost <laughs> eleven. He's like eleven, going You're into the not cool. years, so I'm starting to not be cool. But yeah, when I used to have, like get Ro- Roblox would send me boxes of stuff, and like that was like the coolest moment. Or <laughs> um, I will tell you something, and this is interesting since we're talking about like life. Please. Um, because I work in technology, my kids—they're uh, 13, 11, and six—they don't have free reign over the internet. They don't have social media. Uh, I am, I'm one of those tech people that limits the, my kids, um, you know, use of technology in that sense a lot. So their friends were always like, but your mom works in tech. Why is she limiting your access? But, but, like, well, but why though? Is it because you, because you know, you know, the dangers, you know, the reality, but, but on the other hand of it, Kathy, let me ask you this, you know, yeah. and I've, I've heard, I've heard, you know, Gary Vee talk about it a little bit too, mm-hmm. um, the ability to empower your kids to have every technological advantage for them when they get in, out into the into the work into the life force, the workforce. How do you find that balance of completely insulating them, but also giving them the skills and the experience? Well, they still get the skills. Like my son's still a Roblox developer, right? My daughters they they can use technology for other things. They're just not on social. Like my kids are right. not on social. They can't media. be on TikTok. Yeah, no TikTok, no Snap, no nothing like that. But they they use all the other like and they use tons of other platforms. So like they want to do stop motion, they want to code. I'll give you an example. Like my six year old loves playing building her own maps in something called CodeSpark, and I was watching her build maps. She gives she creates the maps and then I play them and she laughs at me. Um, <laughs> but I was watching her play the other day and she was like playing and she chose AI. So I was like, wait, what are you doing? She's like, I'm playing against an AI. I was like, mm. tell me more. I mean, she's six, right? I'm like, tell me more about this. She's like, yeah, I'm just playing against the AI. It's like, I'm, I, you know, no one's playing with me right now. So I'm just going to play against the AI. So like these sorts of things, it's not that I'm protect, like, I don't want them on social just yet. Cause I don't think that it's, it's a good moment. Like I'm not at the biggest, like, you know, knowing a lot about algorithms, I'm like, hey, I'm, I don't think they're ready emotionally. I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. So, but I do give them all the tools. It's not like, you know, they have computers, they can develop, right. they can, you know, build like. 
So you're all not blocking of them out of the tech. It's just not social. Like I don't yeah, let it, them have free reign in that sense. It's it's so interesting too as a parent. My daughter's eleven. My son is five, and my daughter obviously is on. T- uh, obviously, she mm-hmm. wants to be on TikTok, and she has yeah. she is on TikTok, but she has a private account. I mm-hmm. closely monitor it. I mean, like yeah. daily. Like a, she doesn't even know. She's not going to listen to this episode. Like I am in it. Yeah. Right. Because I want to make sure we have to protect them. We know the dangers that are out there. Mm-hmm. But again, as you mentioned, Kathy, what that's teaching her is she's a creator. She's yeah. so good at editing videos. I've ever do my TikTok videos. We do skits I together and we, and we engage it together. Um, it, it, it's an interesting balance. So I want to get back on, on track here. Yeah. And I want to talk about your career because it's not been linear. And mm-hmm. we talk about this trajectory of nonlinear careers. Um, things weren't always super clear cut for you, right? But you talk about, you know, things that you like to do. Where did you really come into your your purpose, right? Like you you enjoyed the broadcasting you like being in front of the camera. You like sharing stories. But when when did that sense of purpose really formulate in your career? Yeah, so I always go back. It's it's a multi-pronged thing here like because I'm a multifaceted professional. Like, um, So from journalism, one of my first jobs was actually to work at CNN. And I was working um, at CNN News Source, which is one of their affiliate com- like companies that pre- provide content to affiliates. And one of the jobs there was actually to look look at all the raw footage that was coming in from the war in Iraq. So as you can imagine, uh, yeah. I had to sometimes sit through horrible, horrible things. But that was my job. I had to alert the affiliates that at minute, <clears throat> blah, 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 there was sensitive material. Um, so, yeah, I sat through some pretty horrible things. I always jokingly say I was a you know YouTube moderator before, <laughs> before that existed. Um, but, yeah, like having that type of job where you're exposed to that type of content – it does create this PTSD, right? There's this kind of like thing where you, you have to kind of, the only way I can explain it, it is, yeah, the only way to explain it is like you turn your humanity dial a little bit just to get by so that you don't take that with you home. You still take it, but it's, right. you got to kind of find a way to compartment, compartment. You bring your empathy quotient down a little bit. You kind of monitor your emotions. Yeah. Right. So you turn that dial a little bit. Um, and to me, that aha moment, that moment where I found my purpose was uh, about a little over 10 years ago now um, or something around there. Um, I, at that time, I had already switched to tech. I was working in live streaming. So like when Periscope came out and oh, yeah. that's where I got connected to to, uh, to Silicon Valley because I was one of the first people on Meerkat and Periscope and then got really connected oh, Meerkat, to Twitter. Yeah. I know, like old school, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, and I was I was at an event. I was speaking about live video and, and everything. So I was in live streaming before. Like it was like the thing people did, right? Um and I remember getting invited to put a VR headset on, and I went into an experience called confinement by the Guardian that puts you in a virtual solitary confinement cell. Oh man! And within a couple of minutes, like I was claustrophobic. I t- took the headset off, but there was something in me. The only way I can express is that at that moment in that experience, I felt like that dial that I had moved a little bit got turned back on because empathy. Like I felt something. Like I, I cared about people in solitary confinement. This is not an experience I ever want to have. It was like really walking in someone else's shoes. So the only way I can express is that I was able to kind of turn that humanity dial a little bit back to where it was. And that was the moment I literally took the headset off and I said, this is the future of storytelling. And this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. How am I going to do that? I don't know, but I'm going to do it. And fast forward, I've been able to do it and I've been very successful at it. So it's so interesting, too, because I, I think about VR, AI, the buzzwords, but they've been around for a long time. I go yeah. back to, I mean, just to date myself here, I'm 44 years old. I grew up playing Nintendo, the original <laughs> Nintendo. We had glasses. We had things moving. We had the duck hunt gun. Mm-hmm. We had all these things. So the actual experience of engaging a human and a technology engaging isn't new. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's been evolving. Why, why all of a sudden is like 
are they propelling and putting on a pedestal like it's a new thing out there? I just think, you know, a lot of us are in the tech space and we live in these bubbles and like it's, mm. you know, I was just having that conversation the other day. I was like, um, for a lot of us that have been in the space for a while, spatial computing has been in our vernacular for a while. But for a lot of people that was, they were introduced to that, to that, to those words this year by Apple. The first time they ever heard spatial computing, what is this? For some of us, we've been around it for a long time, right? Um, so, so yeah, I think it's, it's, this is how I explain it to people. I say, for the longest time, something like AI was an evolutionary phase, right? It was being developed, it was being created. So only a few people had touched it, uh, you know, or very specific people with very specific access to the right. technology could touch it, right? So it was in this evolutionary it phase. It was as consumer facing as it is yeah, now, right? Yeah, and, and now it's like revolutionary. Now, like, it changes the way, you know, it changes the its access, you know, democratize access, like everything that's happening there. So it goes in this moment of from evolutionary to revolutionary. That's what I see with spatial computing. It's in this evolutionary phase, right? It's really early on. And eventually it's going to be revolutionary. It's just not there yet. Um, so, yeah, like I, this, a lot of these things have been around for a long time. It's just people are just eventually like they'll come up to, to you know, to, to the mass market. It's going to take a while though. Hey, everybody. I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. How would you explain AI to my 74-year-old mom who has no clue what it is and sees it on CNN or Fox News or on mm -hmm. Facebook, and she has no idea what it means, no idea what the applications are. Yeah. How, how would you explain it to her? It's it's using a computer to generate new data created from inputs that the computer is using. So the computer might take something that someone wrote, <laughs> something that someone drew, and might take that and eventually create new things, right? These are outputs that the computer is putting out. It, it, you know, I'm not going to go into the intrinsics of like all that because that, that would make no sense to them. It's not but a this full is tech show. They can find it. By machines, <laughs> by computers. So in essence, it does change the human-computer interaction or the way hum the way humans and computers interact and the way computers and computers interact. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much like generate, especially generative AI. I'm not, I'm not going to get into computer vision no, and everything gonna, else because that's just too complicated for grandma to, to understand at this point. We're going we're gonna to pause on that one. But what scares you because you know a lot well, actually, I'm going to pause for a second before I get to that question. Where does Kathy Hackle get her alpha from? My kids, mostly. I'll be honest. They're the best window into my future. Ooh. Okay. Keep going with that. How? Best Give me an example. Best window into the future. Like, exactly. What's the most recent alpha thing that you've heard from one of your kids? I think the AI thing. Like, her playing against AI. She was, like, totally comfortable. I was like, oh, tell me more. Um, so, things like that. Like, I'll, 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 I spend time with them. I play with them in the games. I listen to what they're saying. Um, that's it. That's it. definitely a lot of alpha there. And right, then they're, they're the next generation. They are the current generation yeah, with their playing as us as the elders mm -hmm. who are managing the business side of it and mm -hmm. the ele ev evolution and safety. We need to see how they're engaging with it. Cause they're the yeah. ones who are using it. We're not really using as much as they are. Well, I am, but 
<laughs> I mean, I do too more than the average person, but we're talking about yeah, the we're average really mass, here, Adam. the mass you populace. You and I are. Um, yes. But I would say, I would say like they're Gen Alpha. So Gen Alpha for everyone that's listening and might not have come across the term, they're the children of millennials. Uh, they're born between 2010 and still being born. Um, it's a generation pretty much that will not know a world without AI, without streaming, without AR, um, without spatial computing. Like it's ubiquitous. It's going to be all ubiquitous for them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, to that point, it, it might be interesting <clears throat> for you to include this in the show notes. Um, through Journey, we worked with the Harvard Business Review's analytic service. To, we commissioned them Link. to do, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, to do a report on the business case of under for understanding Gen Alpha, and we interviewed our clients like Walmart and Legoland in that. And it's a, it's a free resource, right? So it's free to everyone. It's to kind of really understand, like, when we're talking about Gen Alpha, who are we talking about? What do they think? Where are they spending their money? What are their preferences? And start to wrap your head around this new generation um, that will be, I think, by 2030, 10% of the workforce. So, And think about who's managing them as the millennials. Mm-hmm. Us boomers are, we're, 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 I'm an older we're millennial, bo- so. <laughs> we're, we're not, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Gen X, you know, the, um, what, but, but what's, you know, a lot. What scares you about this technology? I mean, is it we going full Terminator too soon? Like, mm-hmm. is it going to happen? I, I think we need guardrails. We need some type of. I think the European Union is a lot more advanced when it comes to thinking about how to maybe regulate this or put some frameworks or guardrails in place. Right. Um, I'm based in DC, so I, I do see some of the movement here. Right, the conversations mm-hmm. being had. Um, but yeah, like I like I just want to see action. Like we haven't we haven't regulated social. Like we we haven't done anything there. So what makes me think we're going to eventually do that with AI? My hope is that there's some type of guardrails put in place. Um, what scares me? I'll tell you something that does scare me. Um, and I am I am neither an AI optimist or you know utopian. I'm not an AI utopian. An AI dystopian. more of a realist. I'm a pro- protopian, which is really in the middle. Um, but one of the things when I think about the longer term and connecting second, third order effects and stuff, uh, one thing that does keep me up at night sometimes is vir- something called virtual air rights. So it's like who owns the air and the space around me? Like what I can see, what's what's within earsight and earshot of, of, of me? Because once we talk about moving beyond our phones into some type of device that might live live on our faces or it might be on our lapels, it depends on different visions. Um, there's going to be a that's real estate it? like that becomes real estate and that worries me. Right. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> it'll have a massive impact on and constituents and on people in, in the world, in the physical world. I mean, that kind of leads into my my one a question I had later on, but I wanted to talk about Zuckerberg came out last week and and you know we're talking about the the Ray Ban glasses there. That's mm-hmm. a very interesting point. Where is it coming from? Where's the information? How are you able to control it? And where how close could technology get to you? That scares me. And what could they find out? What could they know? You know, when, well, we when people know update, so much, like, right, but we update, we update our, 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 our you know, our Apple software mm-hmm. and we just scroll through. We don't look at the terms and conditions. Mm-hmm. People don't know what they're signing off on. That's yeah. what's scary to me. It is. I think it is pretty scary. And even I'll be honest, I, I think that's from a personal level, but from a corporate level, like sometimes I've seen agreements that some, you know, a stadium or a company signs mm-hmm. with a startup and they don't even understand they're signing over their virtual air rights. Um, in perpetuity, like that to me is scary. Like you, I don't think people understand that. Or like sometimes you'll see patents that are awarded and you're like, that's a really far, re- like far reaching patent. It's obvious that the person that approved that patent and the patent, you know, the patent office has absolutely no idea what they're looking at. Um, so those things do scare me. I'm like, wow, these are very over, far, like over, overreaching patents or, 
overreaching agreements that people don't really understand. So, um, yeah, I think to a, I, mean, to a, I think to a certain extent, Kathy, it's going to be a little bit of trial and error and finding out the hard way. You know, effing around and find out. I think that's yeah. kind of the fun part of technology, also the scary part about technology. But I want to I want to get back on course here and and talk a little bit about a little bit more about your career. Um, I want to talk about found about founding the Futures Intelligence Group. You weren't there too long before you left. Talk to us a little I bit. I didn't the, leave. I sold it. So okay, before you exited. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> talk to us about that decision. Did you feel like you were at the point, was it opportunity or were you ready to move on to something different? Well, so I'll explain what happened, right? So I was at AWS and um, I was able to kind of keep writing at Forbes, you know, as part of like part of my agreement, which is really strange um, to be able to do that still at a big tech company. And I wrote an article where uh, Ryan Gill from Crucible brought me the term direct to avatar. And he said, "This I have this term and I'm looking into it. I said, let's write something together and explain it to, to the, biz- the broader business audience. And we wrote an article in Forbes um, saying, is direct to avatar the next direct to consumer? And it posed that question and went into like why we thought so. Mm-hmm. And then that article lit something up in the fashion space. And I would start getting DMs from all these C-suite folks at different brands. And then pretty soon I had a lot of big brands calling and saying, hey, I need you to guide me. Like, what is this thing? What is this metaverse thing? Like, I need to talk to you. So eventually I was like, okay, I love what I do at AWS. I was working in partnerships. Um, but I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ship <laughs> during the pandemic, right? And I was like, okay, I can always come back. Um, right. So I launched on my launched the Futures Intelligence Group. And then within 10 months got acquired by Journey. Um, so I'd never left. It's more like Futures Intelligence got acquired by Journey. It and absorbed. now it's part of Journey. So I sold, I sold my company in 10 months. Um, it was opportunity. I mean, Metaverse really was booming. I, was, I mean, my list of clients was like Nike, Walmart, right. Louis Vuitton. I mean, who wouldn't want to acquire that kind of um, book of business? So, so yeah, I mean, it was really, really exciting to to get acquired so quickly and and have that exit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I keep building what I'm building and a journey through through what we're doing. So yeah, it's, I mean. Just as an entrepreneur and as a woman selling my company in 10 months, I mean, I'm going to pat myself on the back for that. That that is a huge win. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, that's an interesting one. What's what's the most challenging element of being a woman in a generally male-dominated tech tech world? Where do I start? (laughs) Let's get get into it. This is what the show's about. Um, It's a lot of mansplaining. Lots of mansplaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm pretty good at, you know what? You're pretty good. I push back often, often. Um, I, I have no issues um, you know, interrupting anyone. Like if I know I'm sitting at the table and I know the answer and someone's giving the wrong answer, I will step on. I'll be like, uh, no. <laughs> I'll be like, uh, uh-uh. like, mm-hmm. let me talk. Hear me, hear me out. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I got sound effects, right? There you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, like I think many times I was the only woman, uh, or I was not thought of because they just overlooked what my what my knowledge and capabilities were um so it wasn't always hard i did have to work sometimes three times as hard as you know some of my male counterparts uh, i will say that over the years it's become less and less i've been able to kind of leverage i mean I, i'm i'm in a great position right now right um people respect yes. the work i do i'm one of the leaders in the space they listen to me they respect what i'm doing um so it has changed and evolved over the years um, I would say from a personal perspective, since you're asking about career, one thing that I did do is I thought I had to fit into a box, um, to a specific persona to be accepted in tech. And 
if you look at a lot of my um, past headshots, they're usually very robotic. There's no smile. Wearing a jean jacket because that's what everyone wears in tech. Um, you know, so like a darker and a darker, more almost robotic way. And it wasn't until, you know, until I sold my company, I was doing more work in the fashion space that I started to embrace more like it's OK to be in tech and be feminine. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. So more of my recent pictures are more fun. I'm more embracing who I am. And um, and that to me has been lovely because it's also been inspiring, I think, for a lot of other women in the space. I was about to say, if anybody follows Kathy on Instagram, you get pretty damn glammed up a lot. And I think that sets a great example in a good way. And I mean that in a good way. And, I, and now that we know about your, your journey and wanting to be a model and going to modeling school and going through that, too, it kind of all makes sense. But I love that you're adding the the feminine yeah. energy and the glamour to it. Um, well, especially you have chill, you have girls, right? You have so, so like I want women in tech to know that they can be themselves. The they can world. embrace who they are. It doesn't matter. Like they're smart. Like yeah. Like for me, it's like part of that. It's like embracing who, fully who you are. You do not have to be. You don't have to be wearing a leather jacket all the time and not smiling to be taken seriously in tech. So so, so what what advice would you give my eleven year old daughter if she was exploring a career in tech be rebellious be curious don't take mm-hmm. no for an answer the the best thing quote unquote you can do to something someone like me is say no no you can't be like oh it's a fire mm, fuel on the fire just gas on the fire there. <laughs> <laughs> just give me a chance i'm gonna prove you wrong because i heard that so many times it's like no all right, so let's 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 talk about spatial computing because this is yeah. a concept that's new to me. So let's give it let's give a little bit of a pull back to open the kimono into what it means um, from a consumer facing standpoint and from the tech side, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I'll be honest, like I don't want to get too much into it right now because I'm working on something that I think is going to have kind of a bit of an impact in the business world. Okay. Um, well, so I don't want to give, okay, give us a 30,000 foot view without, without, you know. Yeah. But I mean, I'll tell you what the definitions have well, been. Well, let me ask people. you this. When is that coming out? Today's October 3rd. When is that coming out? You'll see something. You'll see, a, you'll see Apple's spatial computing sometime next year, like they've said. Okay, um, fine. But Got I it. think you're going to see other devices. You're going to see mm-hmm. other perspectives. Um, you know, there's news, obviously, that OpenAI is talking to Johnny Ive about doing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had, for example, the hum- the Humane AI pin at the Kearney Fashion Show in Paris Fashion Week. Pretty cool. But I think you're going to see multiple perspectives on what spatial computing is. What I will tell everyone here is spatial computing does not equal mixed reality. Uh, I see that. I saw that in the New York Times article the other day. I'm like, that is not it. Um, so I, I don't want to give you the definition right now because I have something coming out that is going to well, help. What about a, pra- a practical okay. application understanding to put into context? Yeah, I mean, practical application, I'll give you an example. Uh, so Lockheed Martin um, was working, partnered with Microsoft HoloLens um, to help assemble the um, one of the capsules, one of the, um, I think it was the Artemis? I can't, I can't remember right now what the name of the capsule is, but one of the space capsules. Mm. The, moon, the new lunar. Um, yeah, right. one, of, one of the space capsules, yeah. Um, so basically they using spatial computing, they were, cu- they were to cut down on, I think it's, it was eight shifts of like between nine and eight hours. That is a normal work. It would take them to assemble the capsule. It was down to six hours. Right. And then there was a 93% approximate, uh, reduction in labor costs. Um, so things like that, like that is massive impact, right? And these are things that hum- a human has to do. Yes, they can be aided by computers and everything, but at the end of the day, a human has to make sure <clears> that this is, that this capsule is perfect, that there's no Ill- error, right? right? Um, so yeah, like things like that, I think are super powerful. So you brought up something interesting. Mm-hmm. The, the other 
kind of buzz statement du jour is AI is going to take over all your jobs. What, what, what are your thoughts? On is it really going to take over our jobs or the people that don't embrace it and don't know how to use it are the ones that are going to lose their jobs? I, I, do, I do think that, you know, like a lot of people say, it's like AI is not going to take your job. It's going to be someone working with AI or right. that knows how to work with AI. Um, I do agree that we all need to start implementing, you know, it into our workflows and understanding how, like, how do I use this? What makes sense? What makes sense for my role? Right. Um, so yeah, definitely upskilling yourself and understanding, um, you know, even whenever I speak to any company or brand, I'm like, you need to level up your AIQ, mm -hmm. your, you know, AI intel, intel, intelligence, uh, intellectual quotient, um, not just generative AI, because I think like that's where the, in the the attention is. And everyone's like, oh, I need to understand all the tools. Yeah, understand the tools that make sense for you. But I feel like every day one more startup dies when one of the big companies releases something. So, yeah, know the tools, but also level up, try to understand computer vision, like try to look deep learning, like look at all different aspects of AI because AI is really broad. Um, so not just, not, I mean, not just generative AI, generative AI isn't everything. It is really much the headline grabber right now, but it's not the only thing. So I want, I want to, I want to kind of pu push us in the, in the, in the final push here of the show. Cause I know <laughs> you have a, you have a time constraint, yeah. Kathy back on the road here. Um, what is going to be that killer app that's really going to take us to the next level of the metaverse? What's it going to be? Right. How are we going to get there? I mean, I think it's going to be something related to gaming. I think that is where the younger generation is going. But specifically, what's going to get over the hurdle of people saying, Nana, this, no, who, who wants to do things in the metaverse? Who wants to who wants to listen to music when I could go to a show? Who wants to shop when I could go to a store? What's it going to be to get us over that hurdle? I think it, it is generational. I think for the older contingent, it's like, why would anyone want to do that? Like, mm. right. But they're already you, you, you know, you know, your kids they are already living in these virtual spaces and. Uh, it doesn't mean they're doing them all the time. They are mm -hmm. socializing with their friends there. They are creating things. Um, they see the value in some of these virtual assets. That's already there. Um, so it's not so much convincing the older folks. It's understanding the younger generation is going to do it regardless of if the older if the older contingent wants it or not. Um, I think, you know, I always talk about the post-smartphone future. That's kind of the the, the, mm. the talk that I did at, um, at Consensus this year thinking about what replaces the mobile phone. Yeah, we're still going to work. With, our mobile phones are still going to be around with us for a long time. Our computers will be too. There'll but be some eventually, kind of yeah, something's going to replace the typical computer. And it's probably going to be a spatial computer, whether it's glasses or something else, like what Humane and maybe OpenAI might be working on. It remains to be seen. But in order for us to interact with technology in a totally different way, that ha that hardware has to evolve. The software has to evolve. Um, so yeah, like the, 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 there's no one killer app. I wouldn't say that there's one killer app. I think it's going to be a progression towards a post-smartphone future that is just a clear way for us to work, you know, engage with technology in new ways. Yeah, I mean, like my, my take when I when I talk about killer apps and I talk about blockchain, mm -hmm. I think it's really going to be healthcare. I think healthcare is the mm -hmm. one that really makes the most sense as far as, um, you know, the multiple data points of getting it mm -hmm. out there. But that's a conversation for another time. Yeah. What's what's the one brand, your dream brand, your dream? It could be an artist, an entertainer that you would love to work with. Oh my! That you goodness. haven't already. So many. Um, yeah, I don't want to say one specific brand because then maybe the other brands will get upset. Because <laughs> a so, non-committal um, answer. I will say, I would love to one to day. Disclaimer. I would what? What? I said disclaimer out there for any brands that Kathy works with. This is just a hypothetical. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I love Apple. I would say I love Apple. So I'm not going to say any fashion brand because I don't want people to get upset. Um, I would say I would love, I love Apple. I think what their, their vision is really interesting. I do love Humane as well. So um, yeah, let's see. And, I, I don't know. And from, and from a business perspective, what is, what is the, 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 the biggest, you know, I wouldn't say roadblock, but what I say is the, the biggest hurdle that you're excited to take on in the next couple of years from a business perspective. 
of multiple things. I would say merging physical with virtual truly in a truly in a way that makes sense and that people understand. Um, also looking at the path to commerce in, you know, what I call virtual to physical and physical to virtual. I've been doing a lot of work for, for several years now in that path to commerce. And um, yeah, and I'm just really excited, really excited about what comes next. Um, so are. you'll be seeing me do a lot more work um, <clears throat> on spatial and AI. I have a book coming out, uh, writing it with Irina Cronin on spatial computing and AI, and AI title uh, forthcoming. So, so yeah, I think you're going to see a lot from me. I love it. And speaking of seeing a lot from you, uh, mm-hmm. in April when I was at the Spy Museum in D.C. gift shop, I saw Kathy's book sitting there. I'm like, look at this. And I showed it to my daughter. I'm like, this is Kathy. I'm going to meet her in May at VCon. Um, so, Kathy, let's bring it home here. And this is my masterclass. It's my masterclass for myself, mm-hmm. my masterclass for my audience. And over almost 300 episodes, I get to share my insights and conversations with experts like yourself here. So let's bring it home. Kathy, what is the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received that you take action on every day? could be a mantra, a motto, something that- I'll, I'll be very please, quick. So one of them great. is, one is one that I live by is live your life like a lighthouse. Um, so everything that I do, I'm doing for the female, especially the female and diverse leaders that are coming behind me. So yeah, for your daughter and for, for all these people that are coming right behind me. So live your life like a lighthouse. And then if you can see it, you can be it. Um, I heard that from Sandy Carter the first time around. I know it's not necessarily hers, but um, you know, I've been able to see a lot of Latina women or a lot of women as leaders early on in my career um, just showed me like, I can do it. I can be that. And I hope to be that as well. I'm, I'm not the typical f- face that you think of when you think of technology, but that's why it's important for us to see many diverse people um, as leaders. Well, Kathy, you, you are leading the way. You're an inspiration to me. I love your story. I love your journey. I love your content. I engage with the community. Well, we, we check out the community on uh, on WhatsApp here. But <laughs> last but not least, we, we, we talked about the lighthouse. You've been through it all in your life and your career. Mm-hmm. And you have those moments when you do need to reach down deep inside and harness that inner tenacity to drive you forward. And the same breath when you want to show gratitude for this life, this family, this career that you've mm-hmm. created and being an inspiration to so many and being a source of truth and alpha. Kathy Hackle, what is your compass in life? What is your lighthouse? What is your North Star? Everything I do, I do for my children and for leaving hopefully a better world for them. So, Amen. yeah. Amen. Kathy, this has been fantastic. I want to thank you so much for your time, your energy, and your wisdom. To learn more about Kathy Hackle, we're going to link it up in the comments, but follow her on all the social media channels at Kathy Hackle, C-A-T-H-Y-H-A-C-K-L. That's her handle. Her LinkedIn profile, you could find her there. Where else could they find you? Where could they connect? Where could they learn more? Yeah, definitely online everywhere at Kathy Hackle, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, definitely, you know, lots of interesting thought leadership work coming from me. So, you know, connect with me if you want to, if you really want to stay in the know. Uh, I always joke that I live like three to five years into the future. So. <laughs> well, one last bonus question here. What's Kathy watching on TV these days that are exciting you? What are you I have watching? no time. <laughs> <laughs> not on the planes, you're not watching anything? Well, I'm listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, so, you know, and I'm relaunching my own podcast. So there you go. I don't know. What, what am I watching? Uh, I will be very honest and cringe. This is a little cringe. Um, but I definitely, I, I, I guess, love is blind. is a guilty pleasure of sorts for a lot of people. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm watching. I'm trying to watch that right now. Awesome. Well, Kathy, I know you got to go. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Everyone out there, thank you for listening. If this show meant something to you, leave a review rating. It goes a long way. You and I are found, you know where to find out more, all of our social media channels at thepausecast.com. Remember, take care of each other, look out for one another, be good to yourself, be better to others, and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody. 
is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.